we consider doing like a Fantasy Friday jingle. Fantasy Friday jingle? Yeah, like to, to differentiate the Fantasy podcast from the regular. Well, the Fantasy Friday podcast does actually have different intro music. Um, That's true. It is. Uh, well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do one right now. For you. Okay. All right. And if you uh, wanna, well, I'm just gonna do it. Okay. Fantasy Friday. <laughs> and then if you want to go and post and just put a bunch of exploding sounds after. Okay, yeah, will you do it again? Where, where I did the exploding. Yeah, now do it again. Oh, you want to do it again? Yeah, please do it again. Fantasy Friday. <laughs> I am Parsons Stooley, and this is the Fantasy Friday edition of Fangraphs Audio. And as you will note from the audio preface to this edition of Fangraphs Audio, my guest is Chris Swick, who had an idea for a new jingle for Fangraphs Audio. And what's more than that, as you will see, had a great deal to say on the topic of fantasy baseball. Among the things discussed in what follows, a sort of sly Hector Santiago status update. In fact, in the Fangraphs staff auto new league, to which both Swick and I belong, Swick recently cut left-handed relief pitcher Hector Santiago from his team, after which maneuver I promptly put Santiago up for and won him in an auction. We discuss why rostering Hector Santiago could be a good idea and why Swick doesn't see that. Moving on, we find that at this point in the season, players have started to reach sample size thresholds in terms of plate appearances or innings, which makes certain stats now reliable. We look at players like Justin Upton and Ricky Weeks and Brett Laurie and ask the question, is this said player's true talent level or are there other factors at work? Finally, from there and building off of the franchise player draft conducted by ESPN this past week and then the authors of Fangraphs, I ask Swick what a franchise player draft might look like in fantasy baseball and what the differences might be between a fantasy franchise player draft and an actual one. In any case, it is the Fantasy Friday edition of Fangraphs Audio. My guest is Chris Swick, and the show begins right now. There does need to be one. There does need to be one, yeah. All right, okay. Well, you know why? I don't, because you picked him up? Yeah, because Chris Swick, you dropped him. I did. In our fantasy league, and then I um, I saw, I picked him up. Too many home runs. Right, but you don't think... Uh, uh, I think I, I would I say I that it's at an unsustainable rate. Uh, I hope so, because it's at 20% right now. Yes, that's generally, but, but to the still, best of my I don't knowledge. Know you think what? Say it. I, I don't know that he'll close again. No, but but he doesn't need to close. All right, we I, should I specify. Mean, we should specify. We're, we're going into it right now. Already, Chris. Yeah. This is starting. I want to disagree with you, but you're in first place, so. 
I know. Yes, we are talking about the Fangraph Staff League, the Audenew League, Fangraph Staff Audenew League, uh, in which, as has been mentioned before on the Fantasy Friday edition of Fangraph's Audio, um, I'm winning. I'm currently winning. True. Mm-hmm. Sad um, but true. Yeah. Uh, my team, the Very Handsomes, named after its owner, yep. uh, <laughs> has uh, taken has been in first place for some time. Your team is, I believe, Jabias Industries. Jabias Industries. Go bias, is in go bias some coffee from yeah. Arrested Development. You say wait, it's pronounced go bias. Yeah. See, you didn't get that, but I. I hope, like, three of our readers get it. No, I understand that it's a reference to Arrested Development, but I I, I didn't realize oh, it yeah, was... Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize it was pronounced Gobias. Yeah, they said Gobias. Oh, okay. That's, That's what we're going to go with. All right. Because his name is Job. You 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 understand that. that. Right, You yeah. accept that. It doesn't make sense, yeah. No, it doesn't make sense. Uh, that's funny. I guess that's probably part of the comedy joke. It's involved in it. Here's my here's what here's my theory. Here's a theory. At least part of the reason why you dropped uh, dropped Hector Santiago, even knowing okay. that his peripherals are pretty decent, not excellent, but decent-ish, <clears throat> um, is that you. It's because you are a White Sox fan, and you have seen Hector Santiago. You're tired of him now. I am. I'm tired of the home runs, and then and out of new league that's going to destroy your team's pitching staff. And since Hector Santiago is only pitching one inning, that's, that's you're guaranteed negative points if he gives up a home run. He was giving them up at an atrocious rate. Right. So even though that will improve, you I you can have him at this point. Do you know what the advantage of Hector Santiago is, and what has helped me, Chris Swick? What has helped mm. me to amass such a commanding lead in our auto new mm. league? Do you know what? <laughs> Why don't you share your expertise with us? Yeah. <clears throat> I, hey, listen. I recognize you write for Rotographs. I'm just, I'm just saying scoreboard. That's all I'm saying, Chris Way. <laughs> okay. I'm just yeah, pointing okay. right now at the scoreboard. That's fair. That's fair. Is yeah. uh, he Hector Santiago qualifies at starting pitcher? That is true. Yes. I've, I have. Uh, Fewer dollars invested in pitchers uh, than anyone else in the league. At least I think that's a pr- that's about right. Um, and, and yet I, I average somehow you lose. Uh, right, I have the highest average of uh, pitching points per inning pitched. Yeah, because how does that work? Yeah, exactly. Precisely, that's what you want to know, and that's what I'm telling you is because all season I have utilized relief pitchers. In the starting pitching spots, when I am not uh, using a pitcher who's actually starting a game. Yeah. Interesting. If you take a look at my roster, you will notice, uh, for because today, for example, I have no um, starting pitchers actually going. Uh, so all five of my starting pitcher slots are um, manned by relief pitchers who happen to qualify as starting pitchers. So you've cheated the system. No, it's not cheating the system. That's knowing the rules. You bent the rules. I didn't know. I bent no rules. I, it's, we call, you know what we call that? Exploiting an inefficiency. It's why we got well, into this racket to begin with, Chris Wick. We should talk about the uh, Andrelton Simmons incident where you picked up a player that was already owned or something. So you clearly are cheating. 
and you should be disqualified and disbanded from the league. Well, no, you're you're discussing an incident where during our yes, indeed, during our um, auction, I bid on and won. This is back in March or whatever in Phoenix, Arizona. I bid on and won Andrelton Simmons and and Tyler Pasternicki. I won them both in that auction. And then, uh, so he's been on my team. And then, the, for some reason, there were two Andrelton Simmons in the database. That's not my fault, though. You cheated. I didn't. That's how I no. interpret it. The only way that I have ever cheated is by charming people like you into making trades with me. It's via charm. But is that cheating, or is it just using my skills, my my well, talents that's, to my that's advantage? That's true. Yeah. The charisma. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, let's talk, no about, let's talk about that. Actually, briefly, I'm curious about that. It's sort of human element of fantasy. We, uh, we're definitely going to talk about relief pitchers, and uh, there are some things I think that you've added, uh, you've added to, the, to today's agenda. But I'm curious as to what degree, if anything, off the top of your head, um, you can think of where charm or some other characteristic that you don't necessarily think of as being integral to winning a fantasy baseball league or to getting ahead in fantasy baseball. If you can think of any incidents, whether in a an experts league or like a um, a home league, you could think of where, where something like that has worked or has uh, sort of been to the advantage of an owner. Um, I, I can't I can't speak to whether it's worked or not, but I'm sure that you have you know certain there are certain people that maybe you feel more inclined to trade with or less inclined to trade with just based on personality. Um, I don't really have that in the Fangraphs League, but in the league I am in with some of my older friends, uh, one of the guys just has a really good team, and I don't know, he makes these trades where I don't know how he gets the other team to agree, and so I've just kind of vowed to not trade with him just out of principle, I guess, at this point. So even if we're a good match, I'm, I'm probably not going to make a trade with him. Can you can we use a so pseudonym? Can we use a pseudonym to, or you could say his real name too, but we get a name. Uh, we'll call we'll call this person Morty. Morty. Yeah, Morty. He's an old. Are you saying he's he's somebody's Jewish grandfather? <laughs> not not quite. Okay. Um, but he's a he's a good he's an old friend of mine, and uh, I refuse to trade with him. All right, and but Morty, how do you think that? What is Morty doing? Do you think? To coax people into these uh, trades, do you have any yeah, theories? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's. I think you know. Obviously, part of of fantasy baseball is having to be. I don't. You have to be a GM in in a lot of ways. And talking trade, a lot of people have just different ways that they do it. So, um, you know, you might have someone who's just really straightforward, and then there's some people that you know they'll they'll be a little more secretive and not really. Offer the guys that they, uh, or ask for the guys that they're looking for when really they want you to substitute someone else. So it's, you know, you can play mind games, I guess. Um, and I, I don't know what he's doing specifically, but I've dealt with, you know, different owners throughout my time in fantasy where you, some of them are just a lot easier to deal with and others can make it really complicated. Now, what about you? Are you, uh, um, I think we've, we've made some trades. I think that's how, yeah. Maybe Evan Longoria ended up on my team? That's true, yeah. Who, who, uh, who did I, I give you? Um, I was I got Mike Trout, uh, Bud Norris, 
uh, James on Kayon and someone else. James, uh, who was that third name? James uh, Kayon? <laughs> well, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. How do you spell it? The pitcher, the pitcher for the Pirates. Uh, T A I L O. Oh, Italian. Jameson Italian. Italian. Sure. I think that's it. Yeah. And or also Devin it could be uh, Messeraco. I gave you Tyon. all those players. You did, yeah. Um, My goodness. But but as I recall, you were uh, easy to uh, work with, so that was good. I feel like I want to be straightforward. I I say like yeah, a thing that I like to do is say these are my needs. This is what I'm going to ask you for. Maybe you put you uh, make a counteroffer. I say I'm not entirely comfortable with that. I, this is this is a technique I will use, and I think it's fair. Yep. Is I'll say if here's a trade I would do right now. The trade you're suggesting. Okay. Okay. I would consider, but I'm not going to do it right now. I don't feel comfortable with it right now. Maybe after thinking of getting a couple days of thought on it, I would do it. I don't feel comfortable with it right now. Here's a trade I would do right now, though. Right, right. Now I, I find that I I used to try and be like more secretive or try to play like psychological games, and now I'm just very straightforward. And I think um, sometimes you'll get to a point where you're looking for an extra guy, and at, at the point like what I'll typically do is I'll just submit a list of like I kind of like these four guys. Like who will you give me? And obviously, like in my mind, I kind of have them ranked uh, a certain way. But you know, I'll wait to see what the other guy says too. Sure, and that's and we have tiering. I mean, tiering is a is sort of a valuable, um, what we sort of cognitive tool, I guess, in mm-hmm. uh, in in fantasy sports. Certainly during drafts or auctions, where you say, well, these four players are roughly the same. Right. I, th- I think I'll get roughly the same production out of these four players. Uh, so you know, like if, especially if you're in a draft. If you have guys tiered, you say, well, um, there were four of these guys in this one category. Two of them just got drafted, or three of them just got drafted. Uh, I should probably go ahead and take one. Take one of those guys now. Yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but, uh, you know, just to give you a tip, luckily no one else listens to this podcast, but um, <laughs> right, you're right. present for it, so you, so you know, uh, you know, maybe start taking advantage of that. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like, I mean, it, it seems like a, a good way to get more guys into the lineup that won't eat up the number of innings your team is pitching, which is currently somewhat of a problem for me. Right. Well, do you understand, too, uh, relief pitchers in auto new are usually worth, like a decent relief pitcher, one who's getting holds or saves is worth uh, seven or eight points per inning, whereas a decent starter is worth about four, four and a half. Interesting. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm just saying, I don't. Those are the I, I know that you have some health issues, but what I'm telling you what is, to, is to put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I will do that. I, to the best of my knowledge, it's not carcinogenic, except for the fact that carcinogenic kind of sounds like my first name, so maybe in that yeah, sense. It is. Yeah. Okay, um, listen, let's get down to real business. So this has been an extended Hector Santiago status update, but. We're sure. not talking about Hector Santiago anymore. Um, are we, are there closers that we need that have has the closing situation changed recently? Chris Wick, it, it changes every week. The thing I like about Autonu is that you don't really have to care because you at least get, still get points for holes. That's not the case for a lot of traditional style leagues. Is there anyone that I need that 
our listeners need to care about? Is there anyone that listeners need to care about? As of right now, it seems like things are kind of moving fluidly. Um, I, the the biggest piece of news, I guess, that I've seen on the closer front is that uh, earlier today, uh, Henry Rodriguez was put on the DL for the Nationals. Mm. Um, and he was supposed to be kind of splitting time with Tyler Clippard, but um, Clippard is kind of beginning all the opportunities, so not much has changed there. Um, I guess if you have Rodriguez, there's not really you don't really have a lot of motivation to keep him at this point. Uh, he's just walking way too many guys, and even if he's out for the next 15 days, Clippard will probably do well enough, and then Drew Storen should be coming back relatively soon. Um, there hasn't been any real updates on him, but when, once he comes back, you would think that he's going to get that job and keep it. Uh, now, another thing I saw, too, I believe, is Houston Street came off the disabled list. Yes. Confirm and that. Obviously, yes. with him now in uh, in San Diego, um, he's going to be pretty valuable. And well, you don't know how many games they're going to win, but when he pitches, he should be uh, at least, if not in the top tier, maybe a tier below. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it does. You're right. It does seem as though um, some things have settled down. One thing I I still keep. I mean, I don't know how you react to the news when Fernando Rodney was made the closer even temporarily, of the Tampa Bay Rays, um, I assumed that that would not go well. Except for the fact, I will say, um, I, I had in mind the same reservation that I had any time I feel inclined to um, question, even momentarily, a, a Tampa Bay Rays move, is that it's the Rays who are making it, and they generally know what they're doing. Um, but that has worked out so well. Fernando Rodney's pitching so well. Yeah, it- I think I've seen some articles on it. Um, it. It has something to do with his placement, I guess, on the, the pitching rubber. So um, there's at least something driving his change in performance this season. But yeah, the most striking thing, I mean, his uh, his strikeout rate is up uh, from where it's been the past couple of years. But he's he just refuses to walk anybody, and he's been a guy that's had issues with his control throughout his career. Um, but his his walks per nine is 1.3 at this point, uh, easily the lowest of his career, and so that's kind of amazing for a guy that uh, routinely walks about four or five guys per nine innings. Um, as you mentioned, you know, the thing we're looking at with Fernando Rodney, right, is to try and decide, um, and you know, you do this partially statistically, you do it partially, you know, via scouting observation. You say mm-hmm. it. Are the, guy, are the changes in this guy's line, are they real, right? That's what you always want to know um, because right. especially when it comes to, you know, potentially trading for a player or picking him up off the waiver wire, uh, are these changes in the skill set real? Um, we're getting to a point now in the season, Swick, where we can begin to maybe make some statements um, about players because they've developed large enough samples at this point in um, various categories um, where we can maybe begin to make some statements about a player or begin to say, well, that over X number of plate appearances he's done this, uh, and it looks different sure. than things he's done before. I want to talk about with you, I want to ask you about a couple of players, um, uh, what you think they're doing, right, and if you think the, the changes are real, because the sample size would suggest that something's going on. 
It's just that somebody's going right. One player. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll start uh, Justin Upton. Just, sure. Justin Upton <clears throat> has not only been a fantastic player for like four or five years now, um, he's also been a, a fantastic player in his early 20s, which is typically a very good sign. Right. At the same time, currently, Justin Upton um, is ha- is hitting for basically no power at this point through 212 plate appearances, uh, playing in Arizona predominantly, you know, half of his games. He has five home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the sample size, uh, and I'll do some illicit Googling to, to confirm this, or maybe you know off the top of your head, um, for for home run rate stabilizing is, I believe it's under 300 plate appearances. Or uh, it's about 300 plate appearances. Okay. We would assume that that would be suggesting that Justin Upton's not hitting home runs at the same rate um, and it's a real thing. It's a real or real-ish thing. What do you right. think about that? Is is this? Uh, what do you think has caused that? Uh, I think there's two potential things going on with Upton. Um, I actually wrote about it a little bit today, so um, I would invite the readers to <laughs> click on that link. Uh, but uh, but yes, uh, I think part of it could be um, he injured his thumb very early in the season. And he, he didn't go on the DL, but he missed, I think, a game or two, and he also had fluid drained from it. Um, and that could definitely be driving the fact that he's not hitting for power. Um, one of the other interesting things I found, though, is that his walk rate and his strikeout rates have kind of uh, regressed to where they had been in the past, whereas last year um, Upton was slightly more aggressive at the plate, and while he walked a little bit less, he struck out um, a lot less as well. So uh, this year, those numbers have kind of bounced back up to a point where he's almost maybe being too patient. Um, his strikeout rate has kind of jumped, but he's he's walking at a decent rate. Uh, and maybe that is also related to the thumb. Maybe it hurts for him to swing the bat. And so it's all kind of come to a head this week because uh, Upton's been benched the last two games by Kirk Gibson. And then um, I don't know if you saw, but the – uh, the, one of the Diamondbacks managing partners came out and um, kind of criticized his performance. So I don't know if this is Gibson's way of trying to manage the situation or if he's maybe trying to give the thumb rest, um, but I do think it's a significant issue going forward. And, um, you know, he's not hitting for a lot of power, and we last year he hit 30 home runs. I don't think we can we can look at that again and think that that'll happen this season. You know, that's a challenge for a fantasy owner. First of all, have you ever been injured in such a way that you needed to have fluid drained? Because that sounds gross. Um, I've had fluid drained from my knee. You did? You actually had... Well, what do they do? I, um, well, they. I mean, they typically will put a needle in there and, and try and pull it out. Ugh. What, did you, what did you do to your knee? Um, I had, uh, well, I, I eventually tore my meniscus, but I had, uh, yeah, just water on the knee, and so they pulled it out. And Ugh. Did it feel better after they drained fun, it? Yeah. Did they feel better after? Oh, for sure. sure. For sure. Really? Okay. All right. Yeah. I hear that saying. I do not like the sound of it. Uh, now, it's interesting that you, you mentioned, though, with Upton, because he didn't go, he didn't go in the deal. Um, he did miss right. a couple games. 
<clears throat> it's difficult for fantasy owners sometimes um, to know precisely how injured a player is. I mean, Absolutely. That sounds yeah, like an obvious thing, but but you right, don't Right, and as don't a fantasy know. owner, you, you want him to be in the lineup, so you're kind of hoping for him to come back, but then at the same time, now that he's played this long and his thumb hasn't rested, is that why he still hasn't recovered and his stats haven't gone up? Uh, right. You know, the, what you're, also that, that just whole narrative, I mean, this is not necessarily a, a fantasy comment, but that entire narrative, if we assume that um, part of Upton's performance um, or his part of his poor performance is an, is a thumb injury, it does not really incentivize playing through an injury if you're going to A, play poorly, and then B, uh, receive criticism from the front office. I don't, to, to what, right. It doesn't really seem to, to incentivize playing through an injury. No, no, it doesn't, and I don't, I guess, I mean, he's their best player, so obviously he's, he's probably more motivated to try and get out there and play and lead his team to victory, but at this point, it looks like he's done more damage to himself by trying to fight through the injury. Um, now, uh, you, you mentioned with regard to Upton that uh, he's both walking more and striking out more, and perhaps he benefited from, uh, he benefited from last year's more aggressive approach. If I'm not mistaken, and I could actually be, um, it's possible that I'm plagiarizing this directly from you, uh, walking out, uh, walking more and striking out more is also something I think Ricky Weeks is doing this year, and notably, um, he hasn't hit as well this year as he has in previous seasons. Uh, that's true. That's an excellent segue. Uh, that's what, yeah, that's expert so. segue right there. We're making Radio yeah, Magic. That was an expert segue. You've done this for a while. Yeah. Yeah, that was tremendous. Um, but no, it's true. Uh, Ricky Weeks is, uh, walking at almost a career rate, but he's also uh, struck out in 30% of his plate appearances uh, this season. And for a guy that has always had somewhat of a low average, um, the strikeouts have always been a factor. Now that he's striking out in 30% of his plate appearances, that's going to destroy your average. Um, and, you know, he's, he's another guy who's really not showing a lot of power either. So if you're not showing power and your average is going to be extremely low, you're not really offering that much. Again, he's he's walked a ton and his on-base percentage is just a shade below 300, even though he's hitting 163. So, he, I mean, it's not a good on-base percentage. He's at least giving you some value there, but not a lot of fantasy leagues count on-base percentage. So he's he's probably frustrating a lot of owners this season. And so what do you think about him going forward then? Do you think it's a similar situation uh, to Upton where there, you know, there's possibly an injury involved, or do you think it's uh, it's something else? You know, I'm not sure with Weeks. I don't remember reading much about injuries with him, although I guess if you weren't following as close with Upton, you probably you may not have known that he had some injury. Um with weeks, I'm not entirely sure why uh, it's been this way thus far, um, but I am concerned about him going forward. Um, I don't know if you saw the uh, the gift from a few weeks ago where he swung at one of the worst pitches I've ever seen in my life. It was probably, I don't even know, a couple feet off the strike zone. Um, so he's just he just hasn't been there. Um, I, I think actually... I feel like I saw something from Jack Moore um, about his potentially his batting stance 
being his mechanics being a little out of sorts. Um, that he's been off balance when he's swinging. Uh, I don't want to. I don't know for sure that that was Jack Moore, but I feel like I've read that as well. So maybe it's it might be something mechanical with him too. Well, we could listen. If it's not Jack Moore, Jack Moore deserves credit for other things he's done that we've not said. So I think that regardless, it's good to give Jack Moore some attention. It's a little airtime. True. And and for a guy like Ricky Weeks, if you've seen him uh, bat, and I know you have, but there's a lot of moving parts to that, uh, to what he does before he swings and when he swings. So you can imagine if if one of those, if, if something is just a little bit off in his swing, you could see where he might struggle a lot. Now, I want to ask you about a couple of hitters who are suffering right now from uh, batted ball distribution. Um, okay. Or simply the fact that their batted balls are getting fielded for outs. Um, one of them is has been one of baseball's best hitters over the last couple of years, and is currently actually sporting a 122 WRC plus, which is to say he's hitting 22 percent better than league average. That's Jose Bautista. Uh, he, uh, Jose Bautista is a 350 woba with a 206 um, batting average on ball and play. Uh, I mean, exceptional in itself, really, but. Um, but still not uh, not the sort of production that you would expect from him. Um, certainly the version of Jose Bautista we've seen over the last couple of years. Another player whose um, play discipline numbers have actually improved since last year um, when he had a Woba 342 is uh, Eric Hosmer. Um, Eric Hosmer currently has only a 79 WRC+, plus, which is to say that uh, he's at 21%. Uh, below average, uh, below league average. Um, and yet, uh, he's striking out less and walking more, um, and is actually hit for decent power, about um, on par with last year. So, I am curious, Chris Swick, um, what your sense is of those guys? If you think that anything has fundamentally changed that would affect their batted ball distribution, or if you feel um, optimistic that both players will ascend to their career averages in terms of batting average on ball and play. All right, well, you, it, with both of their situations, you have a few different things going on here. Um, with Batista, uh, I think there was a recent article written about him by Chad Young on Rotograph, uh, where basically he uh, he told us that Batista, in the month of April, uh, wasn't pulling the ball nearly as much. And if you've watched him the past couple of seasons, um, pulling the ball has been integral to his whole turnaround um, to becoming one of the, the best home run hitting players in the game. His bread and uh, butter? Would you would you describe it as his bread, his bread and, butter? and butter? Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, if he's not if he's not doing that, he's not going to be able to tap into his power as much. Um, but like you said, you know, his numbers have still been pretty solid uh, as far as walk rate and strikeout rate. Um, and that's kind of I like to look at those um, early on just to kind of see, just to make sure that, you know, if, if guys are doing that in line with what they've done in their career, it, I tend to get less nervous about their performance. At some point, I feel like they'll turn things around. So that that makes me feel good about Batista's performance. And, um, you know, he's never been a guy to have really high uh, batting averages on balls in play, but 206 is pretty low, and you would expect that to, to jump up. And I think there's still a chance that by the end of the season, 
Um, he could hit 260, which is what he hit last year. Uh, in terms of Hosmer, I know, I feel like a lot of people have talked about him being shifted quite a bit this season, and some of that, some of his struggles just might be due to him trying to adjust or not being able to adjust to the shift right now. Um, you know, we have to remember that it's only his second season in the majors, so, um, you know, not everybody comes up and hits right away, and maybe some of that is him adjusting, but also, like you mentioned, it's positive to see that he's walking more and striking out less, and that, that definitely bodes well for his future, if not um, for the rest of the season. So I would say uh, I'm I'm very optimistic that Batista will turn things around. I'm cautiously optimistic on Hosmer just because he doesn't have uh, the same track record as Batista in the majors. Now, um, one last player I'd like to ask you about before we move on to a different topic. A player who is not he's not only live, not living up right now to expectations. He's not, he, I, I will say, he's not disappointing necessarily, but he is not scaling the heights of excellence that um, some might have assumed that he would. Um, it's Brett Laurie. <clears throat> now, Brett Laurie uh, is probably, um, not only is he not living up to expectations, given the sort of precedent he set last year, both um, at AAA and in, in, in a, um, about 200 major league plate appearances. This is an interesting case where Zips, uh, Zips' projection system, very optimistic about Brett Laurie as a major leaguer. Uh, usually projection systems are going to take a conservative route, uh, especially with right. young players. Um, even still, uh, um, Zips projects uh, Laurie... Um, who has a 388 slugging percentage right now, to slug 482 for the rest of the season, um, which uh, is exceptional. And that, that's, about, that's over a 200 ISO, isolated um, power um, rating for a 22-year-old. That's very optimistic for, for a projection system to be, um, to be estimating. Um, how are you feeling about Brett Laurie? I know how I think Dave Cameron is feeling about Brett Laurie, he was confident enough about him to take him in our franchise player draft, if I'm not mistaken. How are you feeling about Brett Laurie, Chris Swick? Uh, I still feel positive about Brett Laurie. The troublesome thing is that he's really not walking this season. Uh, his walk rate is under four right now, um, but he's he still hit for a solid average, so I guess you can take something out of it. Um, the, the lack of power has been worrisome. And there's, with a guy like Lowry who really hasn't had a long track record in the majors, um, you can't really say for sure how much is going to bounce back, but it should bounce back. I think part of the, the problem is, uh, this season he's just hit a ton of ground balls. So obviously he's not going to be able to hit ground balls over the fence. This is a problem, um, for his power. Um, but the, the abundance of ground balls should kind of show up in his BABIP and, He's currently, uh, it's currently sitting at 327. So he's he's seen a little bit of luck um, because of that, but I don't, you still want his fly ball, his rate of fly balls to go up so that he can hit for more power. And at this point, maybe I don't know if it's something about his approach changing or what it is, um, but a lot of his balls have been hit on the ground. Yeah, yeah, that is a, uh, an interesting point, and. Um now, I will say, I will draw our attention back to... Now, I've made some references to um, sample sizes um, 
and when certain in the sample sizes at which certain stats become reliable. This is this is work um, that uh, really all baseball nerds should know about. Uh, done by Pizza Cutter originally. You can find um, the article on that um, at the glossary uh, at Fangraphs in the glossary at Fangraphs. For ground ball rate for batters, um, the the point at which at which ground ball rate becomes reliable is around 200 plate appearances. Um, Brett Laurie this season has 218 plate, plate appearances. And that's an right. astute point you make, Chris Wick, with regard to his ground ball rate. Last year it was about 38%. Uh, league average would be about 44, 45. And this year it's uh, it's above 52%, um, which would suggest to us, it would suggest to us, given how many plate appearances he's had, that this is... Something real, that this is that something real has been occurring. That this is not just a fluke. Now, whether he changes it, whether it's a question of approach, that remains to be seen, obviously. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, but very noticeable, very astute by you, Chris Wick. I mean, that's serious analysis. And that's why they pay me the big bucks, you know. Wait, is that true? You actually get big bucks? No, that, that no, that's not true. That's I don't. Totally uh, David Appleman pays me in uh, bobbleheads. Bobblehead, yeah. Actually, David David Appleman bobbleheads. He just gives you a bobblehead yeah, of himself. Right. Yeah, yeah, just a bobblehead of himself. Yeah, that was weird. He did that to me for years too. Um, you, you're lucky you don't get uh, Dane Perry bobbleheads. They're disgusting. Yeah, oh, I can't. Filthy. Yeah, just, I mean, I Filthy. don't even want to say what I'm thinking, so I'm just. Yeah, I'm don't do it. it. Hey, um, I was wondering. I was actually wondering what bobbled. You know, oof. oof. A lot of. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. There are a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, a lot of moving pieces, like, just like for Ricky Weeks' batting stance or batting. Uh, <laughs> a lot of moving pieces. Um, hey, you're a fan of expert segues. I just mentioned Brett Laurie being taken in the uh, franchise player draft that we held at Fangraphs. Here's an idea. Here's an idea, and this okay. is the last thing I'll, uh, with which I'll bother you. Franchise players for fantasy baseball leagues, right now. There's going to be more. I mean, you know, part of the answer is going to be based on the format of the league. But if we were to take a sort of run-of-the-mill keeper league, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it might be the same, might be different. Obviously, uh, position scarcity plays into it in a slightly different way than it than it would um, at the, um, you know, for a normal, uh, you know, in normal baseball. I'm curious, who, who would be the players, like say the top three players, if you had to conduct your own draft, one, two, and three, would it be the same as um, as we took recently for for our purposes at uh, at Fangraphs? And I'll remind you of those top three players uh, momentarily, so you don't have to. But you could start sure. thinking, you could start thinking inside of your head, and maybe even start talking, saying with your mouth, uh, which players would sort of be at the top of that list for you. Sure. So we're talking about guys that you would want to keep in a fantasy league. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, for the purpose of fantasy leagues, you, you'll probably uh, tend to go towards guys that have slightly established track record um, as opposed to, like, in our fantasy draft or in our franchise draft, I think, like, Jerks and Profile was drafted. Um, and obviously, you know, once he makes it to the majors and um, – and, and establishes himself, you know, it could be a couple years down the road. In fantasy, you're probably looking to contend maybe a little sooner. Um, so I think guys like, well, I th- right now Bryce Harper and Mike Trout are certainly making a name for themselves 
and um, they would probably go pretty high. Uh, Evan Longoria, I think, was taken fifth in the franchise draft. I think he would go pretty high, That's although true. injuries uh, with him are a concern. Uh, Matt Kemp uh, and Matt Kemp was like Matt the first Kemp, overall, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Matt Kemp, uh, Troy Tulowitzki. Uh I mean, I don't think there's that there are that many differences between our franchise draft and the type of guys that you would take in fantasy. Uh, maybe once you start to get towards the the bottom half of the draft, you know, depending on how you feel about um, catchers. You might want to push Matt Weiders down a little lower. He's obviously a phenomenal catcher, but you're not going to get as many plate appearances out, out of him as you would uh, a first baseman or a shortstop, uh, just because catchers play fewer games. Um, but yeah, I mean, age is—I think age is a little bit less of a factor uh, in fantasy. So, um, Albert Pujols would probably still be drafted pretty highly, and he didn't even go in our franchise draft. Josh Hamilton would still be drafted pretty highly. He didn't go. Jose Batista the same thing, most likely. Right. Yeah. So, so you think that it, it would um, you would weight present talent even um, even more? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going into the fa- franchise draft, I tried to weigh age was probably one of the biggest factors for me, mm-hmm. um, and then I tried to weigh whether they had been successful in the majors as well um, with a. Yeah, with a fantasy draft, I mean, you want to make sure the guy's going to be good for maybe the next three or four years as opposed to ten um, because you can kind of reload your team and set it up and have more of a long-term plan in place, I guess, in a fantasy league where there's a lot of roster turnover each season depending on how many guys you can keep. Now, do you think a guy, uh, do you think, for example, Starling Castro is maybe a type of player who would be more valuable um, in fantasy, in a fantasy context, because, um, for, well, a average informs uh, a lot of his offensive value, batting average, um, which, especially in you know typical five by five league, that's going to be more important. Um, and b, uh, his defense is probably questionable, um, and you know there's also the chance that at some point he'll move over to third base. Um, but, of course, that's not something you really have to worry about in fantasy. Right, and that's why I think um, in, he's probably a better fantasy player than he is a real-life player, at least at this point, because he also plays um, shortstop, which is a position where there are very few premium players. Uh, like you mentioned, he's always going to hit for a high average, and so uh, the walks might not be there, which would affect his real-life value, but that's not going to matter in a fair amount of fantasy leagues where um, average is the main category, or like you said, a five-by-five five where average is one of the five. And then, yeah, defensively, um, I guess for fantasy purposes, if it's a keeper league, you'd have to worry about him maybe moving off short at some point. Um, but defensively, he doesn't he doesn't get the, the greatest marks, um, and he seems to lack focus um, when he's out there. I know that that's been a complaint of many Cub fans, and now it's it kind of hit the media this week, and uh, his manager was not pleased with him for getting the number of outs in the game. So um, that's something to worry about in real life, and slightly in fantasy, like I said, if if he all of a sudden becomes a third baseman on um, the next couple seasons, um, you have to plan for that. Kind of similar to guys that owned Miguel Cabrera a couple seasons ago, where 
he did play at third, and then he moved to first, and depending on how your league works, that could screw up his eligibility at the position the next season. Um, but, of course, he's at third again now, so who knows. Right, and that's exciting. I mean, I think uh, Miguel Cabrera was taken at uh, 18th in our uh, franchise player draft. My guess is that he's more valuable as a fantasy player than the 18th – sorry, I think 18th overall player uh, because he's not a very good third baseman. Um, and he's a little bit older now. Not very old, but a little bit older. So if well, you're if you know, thinking about 10 years of him. But um, – for this year and next year, he will be third base eligible um, and will be producing offense um, far and above a lot of his, well, you know, most other major leaguers, but certainly other third basemen. Uh, I think there was a case coming into the year that he probably was the best fantasy player um, coming into the season if you were in a redraft league just because of the eligibility. Right. That's Those are facts, Chris Swick. I mean... Nothing but the facts. I try. Yeah. Now you're there. I think you did a um, pretty solid job, Chris. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Did it feel good to you? Yeah, you weren't so bad yourself. Well, I mean... That sounds really weird, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it sounds that weird to... uh, No one ever tells me that in any context, so uh, that's the only thing that sounds weird about it. You are as articulate as you are handsome. Well, now that could actually be an insult too. Uh, it's interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's actually. Uh, you take it how you want. Yeah, the poet Catullus, um, one of my, uh, he was a Roman poet, uh, like, uh, like uh, first century A.D. Maybe. Uh, he has a poem, a very short poem to Caesar. Um, he says, "You are as great a leader as I am bad a poet," and it sounds as though <laughs> what he's saying is. Um, it's sort of a statement of, of modesty and humility. Oh, oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm not that good of a poet. I'm not that good of a poet. Right. Uh, but really, right. Um, we know from the context of uh, some of his other poems, he has a very high opinion of himself as a as a writer. And uh, so, in fact, he's telling Caesar he's not a very good leader. So you are as great a leader as I am bad a poet. Yeah. So when you tell me, Swick, that you think I'm as yep. uh, articulate as I am handsome. Um, it would require. It would require. I would want to know how handsome you thought I was, because my guess is, um, maybe you don't have a high, a high opinion about my. I mean, I I, I wouldn't agree with your opinion, because I think I'm quite handsome. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, your team name says it all. Yeah. You know, it very, does. Very handsome. All right, Swick. So well, I'm going to invite you uh, for some uh, tea and conversation immediately following. The podcast, but for now, um, I will thank you for making uh, this uh, an appearance on our weekly Fantasy Friday edition of Fangraphs Audio. Uh, thanks. It was great to be here. I, I have a question before we go, though. Oh. Have we considered doing like a Fantasy Friday jingle? Fantasy Friday jingle? Yeah, like to, to differentiate the Fantasy podcast from the regular. Well, the Fantasy Friday podcast does actually have different intro music. Um, That's true. It is. Uh, well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do one right now. For you. Okay. All right. And if you uh, wanna, well, I'm just gonna do it. Okay. Fantasy Friday. <laughs> and then if you wanna go and post and just put a bunch of exploding sounds after. Okay. Yeah. Will you do it again? Where, where I did the exploding. Yeah. Now do it again. Oh, you want me to do it again? Yeah. Please uh, do it again. Fantasy Friday. <laughs> 
All right. There you go. Yeah. There it is. There, that is it. All right. And Explosive. that is, and that is Chris Wick. I am, and uh, will continue to be Carson Stooley. And this has been a Fantasy Friday pew, 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 edition of Fangraphs Audio. Yeah.